Welcome to Some Coding Required, a podcast from SynGrid about all things open source. Today's Ask Me Anything is, at what point should I open source my project? What is the bare minimum required? I believe that you should open source all of the things. Um, even something as simple as your bash um, profile script. Um, for one thing, it's a great way to kind of have a source of truth for all of your, your code and your snippets and scripts and all these sorts of things. And also it's good practice because as a open source contributor, you're going to want to get really familiar with the whole process from creation of projects to contributing. And I think by creating your own project, it gives you some really good insights as to what it takes to um, actually uh, maintain a project and how you should contribute to it. Um, so yeah, my answer would be open source it right away and let people join in on your adventure with you. Maybe there's some person who finds your project and says, hey, I, I'm trying to create something similar to that. I'd like to join in with you. And then there the party begins. If you'd like to send an Ask Me Anything question to Some Coding Required, you can email us at somecodingrequired at sendgrid.com or hashtag somecodingrequired on Twitter. We look forward to hearing your questions, and we'll see you soon. This week in open source, I'd like to suggest the Humble Bundle. We'll have a link to their website in the show notes. The Humble Bundle, they're consistently providing some amazing packages for a small donation. The minimum donation is very nominal, but you can donate more. And as you donate more, you get more things into the bundle. This is a great way to start collecting resources to help you on your development learning experience while also helping charities. So I suggest you check them out. Um, the last one I participated in was uh, Python Essentials. Truly amazing stuff. There was all sorts of amazing things in there, um, from books to subscriptions to IDEs to subscriptions to video learning services. Really super awesome stuff. And they're constantly adding new things in there. So check them out. Humble Bundle. Today, we're joined by Ryan Carson, founder and CEO of Treehouse. Uh, before we go any further, I'd love to welcome Ryan on and, and have him give a little bit of an introduction. Thanks. It's fun to be on the show. Uh, I am the founder and uh, CEO of Treehouse, and, and for eight years now, I've been uh, devoting my life and, and my passion to uh, helping adults learn how to code so they can get a job and change their life, and it recently kind of morphed into us helping companies create talent. Um, so that's been a really fun journey. It, it involves apprenticeship and all sorts of really cool things. So, Wow, that's pretty cool. Eight years. That's uh, quite a journey there. That's about uh, exactly how long I've been here at SendGrid. Oh, so, nice. Nice. Um, we've uh, stuck it out for quite a while. Um, 
before we get started, um, you brought something to my attention, you know, teaching adults how to code. That's super awesome. I think that's a, a very good niche. And I would um, give a shout out to our friends over at Operation Code. They have mm. a similar mission. They're great. Their focus They're great. I love those people. Oh, awesome. I'm glad that you're already aware. Um, they're trying to get uh, returning veterans to learn how to code. And it seems like what you have to offer here would be perfect for them. Um, so that's a good segue into the general idea of how people are learning how to code um, today, especially considering that you're focusing on adults. I'm sure we have a lot of people who um, are either just starting out their path or maybe they've been in another career and they're looking at uh, coding as an option. Before we get into that, though, I'd like to know what's your path? What was your journey like? So I uh, kind of heard about um, HTML. Um, I think I was maybe in 11th grade. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think I bought a, a dummies book on HTML. And, uh, you know, this was all brand new back then. And so started to play around with with HTML and and CSS and and just thought, wow, this is so crazy. You can actually, you know, type some text and add some color and and you could put it, you know, on this new thing called the web. And it blew my mind that you could make something that the world could see. So that's kind of when my my love began for for technology and coding. And, and then I was really lucky. I had a teacher in high school uh, say to me, you know, Ryan, there's this thing called programming and you can actually control the computer and tell it what to do. And, uh, I was like, what is that? You know? And she said, yeah, it's, you know, it's called coding and, and we've got a class you could take. And, uh, so I took that elective class in high school, um, and it was for uh, turbo Pascal and I just loved it. It was so interesting and, you know, solving a puzzle that actually did something. And, uh, and then I was, again, you know, really privileged and, and fortunate to have parents that said, well, you know, we, we can send you to college and you can pick whatever you want to learn. And, and uh, I remember choosing, I had a choice between either computer science or computer information systems. And uh, I remember thinking, well, CIS is kind of in the business school and CS is in, you know, the engineering school. I could always learn business. So I'm going to, I'm going to go to uh, computer science so I can actually learn how to code. And I kind of laugh in my mind because now I realize actually you can learn how to code for a lot cheaper and a lot quicker. Uh, but learning business is actually uh, brutal and hard. So um, that's kind of my story. <laughs> that's so awesome. I have a very uh, similar experience. I, Actually, the first computer book I had was uh, DOS for Dummies. Nice. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, those dummy books are quite excellent. I they, love them. They're kind of great. Uh, yeah. Uh, you just get over the title. Yep. And, uh, yep. uh, there's some really great stuff in there. And I also, the first uh, language I picked up was Pascal. Nice. Um, but at the time, we didn't have any way to actually use it. We were <laughs> kind of doing it by hand. <laughs> so it's kind of weird. That's awesome. Uh, and I did the same thing. I did computer science and ended up going to computer engineering. Um, and then later learned also that, uh, you know, the actual programming, a lot of that I learned on my own in the right. kind of after hours kind of thing. Right. Um, that's one but, of, uh, that's been one of the big lessons of my life is that actually, you know, what you and I do as professionals is actually kind of a highly developed trade skill. 
um, which is exciting because it means actually, you know, a lot more people can get that trade skill. Um, They don't need a college degree. It's actually a, a really exciting technical trade skill that they can pick up for much, you know, a much more affordable price somewhere online. And then all of the interesting interpersonal project-based, you know, soft skill learning that could be learned, you know, in your first job as a junior developer. Um, so all of a sudden the world is open, you know, for uh, folks who never were able to get in the industry um, because there's this new path. Um, and I just, I'm so excited about that. Uh, you know, I think it, it, it means a lot of lives can be changed and then a lot of companies can find the talent they're looking for. Well, one of the reasons I'm really excited to talk to you is about answering that question for someone who, particularly an adult, who's trying to figure out what uh, direction to go. I find it really hard myself to give that advice because I only have my own experience. But in your case, you've helped so many adults learn to code mm. that by now you've likely discovered some patterns and some ideas as to what's really required. And maybe that's, um, you know, of course, dependent upon the person. I mean, for me, the one thing that I uh, really appreciated from the university experience was the the discipline, the you know, needing to go to a place and learning about how to structure life and yep. some of the other electives and things like that, and just the overall experience. But I'm convinced that's not required, especially for uh, becoming a developer. Yep. So what are your thoughts about giving people that first bit of advice on what path to take? So I always um, encourage people to think about a problem that they would like to solve um, or an opportunity they, they want to grab. You know, So the neat thing about that, as you know, coding is not an end of itself. It's not a, the goal isn't to code. The goal is to solve a problem, right? Or build a solution. And, and, um, you know, programming is just a tool. So I I always say to folks, what is something that you think a lot about, or you're really passionate about, or you're excited about, and it could be anything, you know, it could be, you love birds and you spend a lot of time, um, you know, watching birds at your window in the morning. Well, what would be an interesting app you could build that would relate to birds? Um, or maybe, you know, uh, um, actually thinking about how do you conserve birds that are endangered, you know? So maybe someone needs to log them all or record them all. So I love getting people thinking about that and then saying, okay, now that you have a problem you would like to solve, for instance, um, you know, I don't have a good way of, of recording all the birds that I see in my yard. I think it'd be kind of fun to do that. So then instead of saying, you know, how in the world do I learn how to program or how to code? That's just too large of a problem and it's too scary. Um, it's like saying, you know, I want to learn structural engineering. It's just sort of overwhelming. But if you say, I want to build this little bridge over, you know, the pond in my local neighborhood, it's much more approachable. Um, so we start there and then we say, okay, now that you have a project in mind, what, what tools do you actually need to build that project? Um, and that's kind of where we start. So the, you know, we've taught 850,000 adults how to code. Wow. It's mind boggling. But the thing we learned is that humans have to associate a project to their learning. Um, you, you cannot learn effectively if there are concepts in a vacuum. 
And so you always start with the end goal in mind, and then you figure out the tools that you need to build it. Um, so that's been a really, really key learning um, that I, I want to encourage people to, to think about. And, and also not to be too kind of aggressive or, or optimistic about that first project. You know, literally pick the easiest project you can imagine that you're interested in. And then once you build that, then you can advance. That's really cool. I love the way you articulated that. It kind of now gives some words to what I felt mm. is that I've always enjoyed tutorials where you actually build an app. Right. Like um, testdriven.io is one of my favorites mm. where you're actually building something that's deployable, that actually works. I love that. But what do you do about, okay, so now you've developed the the uh, the solution is it worthwhile to continue other ways of learning to kind of fill in the gaps? Because, you know, by nature, those tutorials, you're only covering the things necessary to solve that particular problem. Yep. So usually what we encourage people to do is then try to build a project for somebody else because um, it introduces a lot of unknown variables. Um, so as soon as you built a simple app, you know, say it was a simple Python um, script, um, that, you know, ingests some data and, and spits out, you know, a CSV, then you could actually start asking some friends, hey, I, I've learned how to, you know, write some really simple Python that can take, you know, some data and then, you know, spit out a CSV. Is there any like simple project I could build for you? Because um, then it introduced all sorts of weird things that you didn't learn. You know, they'll say, oh, yeah, I'd love to do, you know, this with this data. And then you realize, I don't know how to do that. So then you um, start to round out the edges of your learning. Um, another good example is, you know, say that you start very simply by, by learning how to build websites. Um, probably the most, you know, easy to learn, you know, entryway into coding there is. Um, once you build a first simple website, then all you have to do is go ask a friend and say, can I build a website for you for free? And they'll probably say yes, um, unless you're a mean person and they'll say no, but that usually doesn't happen. Um, and then once you've done a free project for somebody, then the best thing to do is find a very small business um, and, and walk in cold and say, you know, I would love to build a very simple website for you, um, you know, or a very simple app. I've looked at your, your current app or you don't have an app. I think I could do a good job of something that's a little bit better and I'll just do it for a hundred bucks. You know, I'm just starting out. Um, and that's why it's so cheap. Um, you'll probably get yeses on that. And then that's a way of starting to boot up your, the marriage of your hard skills with your soft real world skills and solving problems for other people, which obviously then is a gateway to, you know, contributing to open source or getting a job as a developer um, you're really kind of merging the two worlds, the inside world of what you've learned in your head and the outside world where, where all the problems are. I love those suggestions. Those are really uh, practical. Thanks. How would, how would we um, map such learnings towards the open source community? There's a lot of ways, um, which, and it's a great question because um, there's, um, there's so much open source software that needs support that's making the world a better place. 
and it's a wonderful way to advance your career as a developer. So we encourage people to find a very um, simple project that they are interested in um, that's open source and then make the most basic, simple commit you can by updating the, um, the documentation. So don't even try to code at, at the beginning. Just look at the documentation and see if you can write a little bit more to make it a little bit better. And, uh, and then, and, you know, make your first pull request and then, you know, hopefully it'll be merged and then you are an open source contributor. Um, and then you feel a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more sure of yourself. And then uh, it's finding a very simple bug that you can try to fix. Um, and, you know, once you fixed your first bug, then you can then actually start to think about contributing new code and, and, and uh, adding new features. So it's, it's just like the process was of making a website for yourself and then making a free website for somebody else and then doing a very cheap website for somebody else. It's a progression um, and it doesn't need to happen quickly. It can happen slowly um, to make you feel comfortable with the process. What are your thoughts about having your students open source the projects that they're working on for like their own use or maybe for their friends? I think it's great. Yeah, I, I, I would highly encourage people to do that. In fact, that's exactly what we do at Treehouse. So we have uh, an online boot camp called the Tech Degree, and we have 12, you know, between 10 and 12 projects uh, for each, each Tech Degree. And the whole point is, here's a project that you don't know exactly how to do. You've learned some of the pieces, but you have to put them together. Um, and then we have you commit all the code to GitHub. And those, you know, repos need to be public. Um, partly because you have to pay to have private repos, which we don't want to require our students to do. Um, so I think it's a great way to do that. Uh, it, and it's, you know, a wonderful way to help other people as well. Nice. So what is, uh, can you dig in a little bit about how the treehouse experience looks like? Can you walk me through a scenario of how someone who just getting started as a developer and wants to use your platform to get started. Yeah, you bet. So we basically uh, ask you just to come to the site and uh, and and figure out what are you roughly interested in, um, and then you can try uh, any one of our tracks uh, for free. So the idea is you just sign up for seven days, don't have to pay us a dime, and you usually pick a track, which is kind of our opinionated version of, of what you should learn in what order. Um, you know, this is another thing we've learned by teaching 850,000 people is that people don't want to try to figure out all the millions of things they should learn and which order they should learn them in. It's just so overwhelming and discouraging. So we actually say, okay, if you want to learn Python, you know, here's our learning Python track. Um, trust us, you know, this is the right order. So you sign up for free, um, you watch videos and you code with the instructors. And then we have a, something new that's really fun. They're called practice sessions. And this is actually kind of a, a, a evolution of the projects that we were talking about. What we learned is that it wasn't good enough to, you know, have someone watch a video code while they're watching the video and then test them on what they just learned. It doesn't really work. 
um, because you're just kind of regurgitating what you just learned. So what we do is we say, okay, you just learned um, how to do this simple concept. Now we're going to ask you to do a related concept, but we're not going to tell you specifically how to do it. Um, and then we're going to show you a video afterwards that shows you the solution. And so that's kind of a fun way for people. You kind of take the, the training wheels off for just a minute and you let people stretch themselves. Um, and then, uh, and then you say, okay, here's how we did it. Um, and it kind of, um, creates a, a powerful reinforcement learning cycle. So yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, just Google Treehouse, try us out. You can try us out for free. If you like it, then you pay. If you don't, then you've, you know, not spent a dime. You mentioned that there's several tracks that developers can go into. What are some of the most uh, popular these days? Gosh, it's all JavaScript. <laughs> you know, um, the, the JavaScript is eating the world. It's um, so it's really full stack JavaScript. Um, you know, uh, we've got a ton of interest in React and Vue. Um, so that's really popular and exciting. Um, but, you know, we're seeing a resurgence in Python and, and data analysis and, um, uh, you know, Swift, there's, there's server side Swift now. So folks are getting excited about that. And, um, there's so many fun things you can learn. Um, but, but really it is full stack JavaScript is just the dominating, uh, force right now. How about mobile development? Um, we're seeing uh, a ton of interest in Swift, you know, objective C, is really only being learned by folks that are maintaining apps or kind of already in the industry. We're seeing all the new iOS developers just simply learn Swift, which I think is great. It's kind of nice because it makes it easier. Um, and then of course, you know, there's a tremendous amount of the world on Android. So we're seeing a lot of folks learn Java um, and Android, but it, you know, learning Java, as you know, is a, is a steeper learning curve. It's a heavier lift. Um, we, we are good at teaching it to beginners, but it's, it's, it's tougher, you know? Yeah. Um, I would like to close with some practical advice to our developers listening out there, uh, based upon your broad experience with watching people learn and seeing what's effective. What are some of the best learning strategies that particularly apply to learning software development? The key is just committing every day um, to a chunk of time. So what we actually do is we encourage folks to, to find an accountability partner, um, someone that you trust and that you care about that can be honest with you and tell them, okay, I have a goal of learning how to code. Um, every day I'm going to email you with my commitment for the day. <clears throat> um, you know, today I'm going to commit 30 minutes um, to learn and then at the at the the next day, then you email them and say, "Yesterday I was green on my commitment, you know, because I did thirty minutes, and today I'm going to commit to an hour, you know." And then you know, then the next day you say, uh, "I was yellow on that one hour instead of green because I only did forty five minutes, but today I'm going to commit thirty minutes," um, you know, and you just kind of repeat that cycle. So it's the daily commitment that actually drives the long term change. Um, versus kind of really big, lofty, long-term goals. Um, those are much harder to actually control and, and, and feel like you're making a 
progress on. Whereas every day, if you're kind of reporting, yeah, I'm green on this, you know, I'm green on this, I'm green on this, like every day, it creates momentum and um, it creates a feeling of winning early. Um, so that's really key. Um, the other is, is uh, understand that everybody finds it hard and that, you know, if you're struggling a little bit and you're finding concepts are confusing, it's uh, something called the imposter syndrome, which you probably have talked about in the show or a bunch of folks have already, you know, mentioned it's very real and uh, everybody feels it just to know you're not alone. Um, it takes time. You know, anybody can learn this if they just are willing to put in that daily commitment. Wow. You provided some awesome insights for our audience, and I hope that our audience can return the favor by helping you out in some way. Could you please tell us how we could reach you and what we could do to help out your mission? Yeah, thanks. If you just Google Treehouse um, and try us out, you know, it's a, like I said, it's a free trial. Uh, the URL is teamtreehouse.com. If you want to chat to me, uh, I'm Ryan Carson on on Twitter and Instagram and and Facebook and and uh, GitHub, kind of everywhere. So I'd love to to chat with you all and meet y'all. Awesome! Thank you so much, Ryan. This episode is brought to you by Dynamic Templates. So if you've used our service, you know that we do offer templates currently, but they're not as flexible as many people would like. So we've been hard at work on creating a new upgraded version. This is a, a multidisciplinary process that we've interacted with our customers on creating, a, in my opinion, an amazing beta. And we would love for you to participate in that beta as well. So if you head on over to the show notes, there will be a link there and you can join in and you can make some amazing dynamically templated emails. We look forward to see what you'll build and happy hacking.